So this is our second segment on narrative, and we're here with Robert Buckland. Robert, how are you doing? Good. How are you, Eric? Thanks for having me on. Uh, it's good to see you. Glad that we can be doing this. It's been an exciting few weeks for those following the various prosecutions and pursuit of Agape School and everybody that enabled them. And uh, we're going to take the next half hour. You know, we've got people following along, many coming in kind of late into the story. And I wanted to get uh, give the audience a chance to uh, get to know you and how you came to be in this story and uh, kind of from the beginning so they can get a sense of why we're making such a big deal out of this. I think we know why you make a big deal out of it. And we're going to tell people more, but I think to understand all the different institutions that are going to get exposed for this kind of behavior, you know, they need to be anchored in who's really brought it to their their attentions. So where were you raised, uh, Robert? Where do you come from? Um, so I was actually adopted from Russia. Uh, I grew up in uh, Greenwich, Connecticut, um, sent to Agape when I had just turned 13 in Missouri. So, you know, what were the events that led up to you being sent to Agape? I had four sisters. My dad was a banker. You know, he was always traveling. So I, my mom just didn't know how to deal with me personally, uh, like a boy. So she had sent me to Agape. And, you know, the reasons were doing normal childish behaviors, you know, talking to Did you catch any jail bids? Uh, never, never. Shoot a man just to watch him die? No, no, no. Knock over any liquor stores? Not once. Nope. Okay. So just uh, teenage stuff. Exactly. Just doing teenage behaviors. Lots of us had teenage behaviors. So what was Agape? And actually, were you, was it explained to you what the Agape boarding school in Stockton, Missouri was? All I knew beforehand was it was a Christian school with a lot of animals. And my family thought it would be good just off of that. How did you get there? Did your parents drop you off or? Yeah, my dad dropped me off. So there's some kids who get who get uh, taken in by the Missouri Sheriff's Department, but you got dropped off. Oh, yeah. The Cedar County Sheriff's Department. And some of the kids show up handcuffed. Is that kind of what we understand? Uh, hand shackles and leg shackles. Oh, they do leg cuffs, too. Yeah. If you had, I mean, how long were you there? Um, five and a half years. Wow. So that's like college plus grad school amount of time. So what percentage of kids would you say showed up in handcuffs and leg shackles? I would say at least two thirds. Two thirds. I would say it was probably over 75%. I think the estimate is that there were 6,000 boys who went through agape in 20 years. Yeah, if not more. You know, there's been thousands of kids. So we're talking about. 4,000 teenage boys brought to Missouri in handcuffs and leg shackles. Yeah. So what was the arrival like? Like once you showed up, uh, how were people? Um, it was weird being in, in a, you know, you're absolutely in the middle of nowhere. Like just to drive, just drive up to the school. There's nothing but the you know, cornfields. There's no houses. The school is in a town of less than a thousand people. What is the staff like there? Like when you first arrive, what's what happens to the average agape kid when he gets to the school? So immediately, as soon as they're brought to the school, they're they have shaven and they're immediately putting uh, something called orange shirt or brown shirt. And they're immediately working out or working on the property. 
So what does working on the property mean? You're building the school. Like, for example, we built that school. We built the learning center. We built the rodeo arena. We built everything on that 500-acre compound. When you say built, do you mean construction tasks like sawing wood? Everything. Uh, Drywall, sawing wood, putting up barbed wire fences, hauling hay, feeding the animals, um, which we actually didn't even really do. You know, hauling rocks, random work. So, I mean, drywall is a union profession. Uh, You know, there's the drywall finishers union, I believe. I'm going to take it that none of you got your journeyman card. No, I I remember being, uh, you know, 13 years old. Uh, just getting there and the the new learning center was under construction and uh, there was no school. We were building the school. And so what we year did you arrive? 2007. And you weren't going to classes? No, the old learning center was being converted into something else. So we were building the new learning center. So there was no school for months. You weren't matriculated in a school. You were no. brought there to do construction labor. You know, $50,000 a year for, for what? You know, that's more than a Harvard education. Yeah. I mean, that's that, you know, and in 2007, that would have been around Harvard tuition. Um, did you guys get a, a degree? You, you can call it that. It's, uh, it's not recognized by most colleges, but yeah. Well, are they accredited? They call themselves accredited. A lot of major um, universities and colleges across the United States don't recognize their accreditation at all. Okay, so getting into college after that is going to be tough if a college or university doesn't recognize that you've been to high school. It's been tough for a lot of people, including myself. If you've been through this experience, it's not just the, um, you know, having labored or other treatment, which we, you know, we haven't gotten into, but it's also, you, you know, you're put back on your disadvantage in terms of your learning. Oh yeah. Big time. You know, just learning just life principles. You know, I, when I was 18, it was like, I was eight years old Mm. being thrown into the world. You know, I, I didn't know anything. I mean, I've learned, but I still don't know as much as I should. So we've got a picture up here. Does this look like the Agape, um, facility to you? Oh yeah. That's eerily familiar with the push-up position all the students there who's the guy in the green there the green sweatshirt who's standing up is that one of the uh, the staff oh yeah that's one of the staff members probably barking out orders to the students about like doing the push-ups does that guy have any sort of training like um childhood psychology education he went to bible college <laughs> that's what you consider training was this person a military member to your knowledge no. Didn't even do four years in the army or anything like that, these kind of guys? No, some of the staff members were former corrections officers. Ah, so might that have explained some of their attitude towards the students? Well, yeah, their tactics. You know, we, we were children. We're not prisoners. Yeah, my son's 13, you know, and I was 13. So I remember, you know, roughly that period of life. So um it's not the same thing as hardened, hardened criminals, one would think. So you were there five, six years, right? When did you start looking back at the experience at Agape and making public statements about what happened to you? Last year, I would say, you know, I guess I put it all behind me. And I read an article. Somebody had sent me an article. I think it was my sister about Agape. 
And it just brought back all these memories that I didn't want to remember at all. Was that the article by the, the folks in the Kansas City Star? I believe there was one by the Casey Star and one by NBC News. 2020, early 2021, I would say. Okay. And they had a hearing on Agape and other schools like it, I think, in February of 2021. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that sounds exactly right. And did you see any of the the testimony of uh, former students there? I watched some of it, and I know there's a lot online. There's a lot of students who submitted testimony as well. You had lawmakers crying in tears. Uh, well, former students were given their testimony. So when did you start speaking out about this? About what date? Uh, I would say uh, middle of last year is when I really started speaking out and asking the public for help. So um, you've got you've got the Kansas City Star does coverage of this in about November of 2020. I forget. Um, we also had uh, Circle of Hope School was was shut down and the householders, the two the husband wife team that owned operated, I should say, because I think the ownership was under the Agape corporate structure. The householders were shut down sometime around there. Yeah. And, you know, they were former staff members at Agape boarding school. Did you know the householders when you were there? I had seen them a couple of times uh, while I was at Agape. They would come and visit. They specialized in the old girls school and they've been hit with 100 felony charges, which is a lot. To say the least, um, I mean, it convicted, they're never getting out of prison again. And I believe they're out on their own recognizance. They're not even remanded to custody. $10,000. So, $10,000 bond. Well, yeah. So 100 felonies, it's pretty substantial. You know, the state actually starts having hearings on this. State of Missouri legislature in early 2021. Mid-2021, you know, you start speaking out. Uh, for my part, I got called in about uh, the foster care system there was a report that came out in late, uh, almost one year ago today. It was, uh, I think, the third or fourth week of September 2021. It was from Health and Human Services in the federal government. And they said that Missouri is losing about a thousand foster kids a year and that many have a risk of being sex trafficked as minors. And I was brought into the Missouri legislature to give testimony on the role of organized crime. Then that touched off some more, uh, or I should say, subsequent to that. I can't assign causality, but you know, a few things have happened after that. They got a new director of uh, DSS, um, a Mr. Nodell, who worked for the governor uh, Parson before that, and then um, then the records building of the children's division burned down, and then we've sort of gone from there. And we kind of to speed this up, we sort of get all the way to a couple Fridays ago, and the feds finally dropped charges on Julio Sandoval ever run into Julio? Oh, yeah. He was the dean while I was there. So when you read the Fed charges, that thing where he arranged to have some kid brought in in handcuffs, that didn't surprise you? No, not at all. You know, he employs two off-duty Cedar County sheriffs to help with his transports to Agape in schools in Missouri. Um, this is Safe Sound Secure Ministries, they call themselves? Leg shackled. Tied up, duct taped, Ministries Incorporated. And everybody, and this, these are for-profit institutions, right? So everybody's making money. Oh, yeah, they're, they're for-profit institutions. And, you know, these children are, have less rights than prisoners. 
I read a quote from one of your fellow survivors there, and he sounds like he's had quite an experience in his adulthood since he left Agape uh, that included a couple of visits to some state and federal institutions. And he said, yeah, I'm, he, I think he said something to the effect of, I am no stranger to Juvie Hall or to jail, but at least in prison, you have rights and there are protocols, whereas Agape was a just a free-for-all. There were no rights at Agape. You know, actually, as a matter of fact, this morning I filed a request with the Department of Justice Civil Rights Division in requesting help on Agape. You have no rights. You can't talk. You get in trouble for talking. Like, imagine that the most basic right as a human, just to talk. And you're not allowed to talk at Agape. You're not allowed to talk to your fellow peer or student. You get in trouble. You could get restrained for hours at a time. Now, explain to the audience what restraint means, because this doesn't mean just holding at agape, to my understanding. It didn't just mean holding you back from doing something. You know, there's three to four staff members on top of you, and they're beating you down. Uh, you know, one on one arm, one on the other arm, one on your legs, one on your neck. They're punching you, twisting your arms, kicking you. You know, there's uh, if, if you go to agape boarding school right now, and if you went down to uh, the intake room, which is the restraint room, there, there would be holes all over the, in the walls from kids being thrown through the wall, their heads. And, and, and they're yelling at you, telling you just they're not going to stop until you stop crying. And, and, and you can't stop crying because it hurts so bad. You know, it's, it's, it's just very torture. Yeah, it's not a good situation. I remember times where my dad would call me on the weekend and I was being restrained and I would hear on the walk, the radio, um, Mr. Buckland's on the phone for Robert. And it'd be like, um, Robert's not available to talk right now because uh, he was getting restrained. So, but now we got federal charges. Yeah, now we got federal charges. You know, Julio, if you look at the indictment, you can see that there, there was fraud committed. Uh, they falsified court documents. Uh, Forgery they, of court documents. They kept the kid in handcuffs for over 27 hours. And then this child was left at Agape for eight days. So he was held hostage at a school, even though he had gotten a protection order against the very people that he was trying to get away from. So the allegations in that um, federal charge are that, uh, that, yeah, that he had been emancipated from his parents by, uh, or was in the process of getting his uh, emancipation as a minor finalized. And in the meantime, awaiting that hearing, that his mother was not to go near him, not to be in contact, and certainly not to, and I believe the Fresno County, California court order was quite specific, not to traffic him out of the state, um, yeah. which is quite a thing. It's like, you know, yeah, and don't turn to anyone with a chainsaw either is kind of a weird and a restraining order, but it's the, the judge was dotting the I's and crossing the T's. And nevertheless, the, the folks from Cedar County, Missouri, went out and kidnapped him, is what the allegations are. Despite being called by the sheriff's department, too, saying, this kid's got a protective order. And, and they still yeah. didn't listen. You know, there's no regard for the rule of law with Agape Boarding School. And this is in the United States of America. You know, if you, if you travel to Agape Boarding School, it's a secure, lockdown, 500-acre campus, and you would think you're in a third-world country. And, you know, in my career, I've done translation gigs for political asylum cases where I've had to translate torture stories. There's no escaping that campus. You, like, you can't, there's no way to escape. You know, you run away, the sheriff's department brings you right back. You know, and I was just reading about a facility in California 
from back in the 70s and 80s that the people that were having their memories come back, I think they did an interview of the uh, the owner's wife and he said, oh, these kids could leave anytime they wanted. And some of the survivors were saying, yeah, except you didn't have access to a telephone. And if you left on foot, that the police would come and scoop you up and take you right back. And I said, that sounds awfully familiar. Think about it. The a, a lot of the windows at the school had bars on them. You can't open the door. It, it's a special maglock key. It, it's like a prison. It, it's literally a, a hell for children. It, it's a home of horrors. Well, so now, you know, you and uh, some others have come forth and you're telling everybody. And now it seems like this is going national. You know, these stories are pouring in from other states of the exact kind of same facility. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a lot of schools like Agape all across the country, hundreds. You know, there's there's what been 25 lawsuits now naming Agape boarding school, uh, hundreds of victims. I don't think we mentioned the school's doctor being arrested for child sex crimes. David um, Smock. It's a hotbed of corruption over there. It's just you got five people who work for the sheriff's department associated with the school. The same people, you know, how can you have a unbiased investigation if the people you're investigating you work for as well? Right. I mean, you know, we call that a conflict of interest. And, and I'm here. Now we got to be careful now. because you you've got now you've got some lawsuits, and uh, so we got we got to be careful about making public statements here. But in general. Missouri has a very loose attitude towards uh, conflicts of interest. Yeah, they do. It's Judge Munton is he he founded the firm that represents Agape in the criminal cases. I mean, if that's if that's not a conflict of interest, I mean, I really don't know what is. You know, the, the same judge he's he's so heavily tied into everything. You back up. This is why I like to you know back this up broader. You know, in St. Louis, you know, we had a case here that involved uh, trying to hold some people to account on, uh, you know, family court issues. And not only did all this happen in St. Louis County, the presiding judge, Michael Burton, came out and, uh, you know, pulled all the guardians ad litem. Those are the attorneys who supposedly represent the interests of children. Uh, There's a lot of questions about their role. And he got all those uh, guardians that light him together on an email list and said, you guys need to come together and fight this private case that was in his circuit. Now, he ended up not being the presiding judge too many months longer than that. But it was like, you know, when this case, uh, I believe it was Tolu v. Reed, came up, not only did all of the judges of the 21st Circuit of St. Louis County recuse for a potential appearance of conflict of interest because that was brought up before them by uh, attorney Lawrence Mass, who represented the plaintiff, but also the entire appellate division, the Eastern District, the next level of higher courts for everybody on this side of the state, turned out one of the, you know, one of the defendants was married to one of the appellate judges. And so the Supreme Court had to constitute a very special district to review the case because there was, you know, one plaintiff and three defendants that were in the in the regular rotation of family cases here in St. Louis County. And not only did 31 judges had to go, oh, no, I have a conflict. And only then, because an attorney said, you have a conflict. Don't you think you have a conflict here? Don't you guys know each other? Doesn't this didn't you know, that's that's a third of the state. 
had to all the, the <laughs> had to bail out because it was too tightly tied. So, you know, we have some issues here. Zev, Zev, you grew up wow. in a police state in South Africa. What do you think, man? Well, you know, um, this is shocking. I mean, it is shocking to hear this. And I'm sorry you had to go through this, Robert, but I'm so uh, thankful you've been able to bring this to light. And, and Eric, to you too, for bringing this uh, story to the public's attention, I think is, is so vital because it seems to me that we're not talking about just a school. We're talking about a system, a real industry of troubled teens that are forgotten a lot of the time by their parents, by society, and then are just ripe for being taken advantage of in these situations where they really don't have any recourse. They don't have any escape. They don't have any way out of the school. It sounds like the conditions you were held in were really horrific. And it's not, uh, you know, no teenager, no child should be going through anything like that at all, especially if they're troubled teens. I mean, it seems like it's the exact opposite of what you want to do with troubled teens. So to have this kind of treatment in thousands of students, it's just, it's just horrific. And, um, you're a very brave man to be doing all this, Robert. I, I applaud you because it's certainly, uh, this is kind of this, you know, taking on systems like this is not easy. So congrats on at least, uh, on having the courage to do that. And, uh, I hope you get to shut these schools down. Is that the goal to shut the schools down? Yeah. So that's the goal to at least for now, get Agape shut down and get a sense of justice and closure. Um, knowing that they can't hurt anybody else, you know, um, not about money. It's not about anything else. The only thing we care about is making sure no other child at Agape is hurt. And, and you say that there's a system around it. You talk about these securities, there's all these deputies. There's, it seems like a lot of people might be making money off this and have a invested interest in maybe in uh, invested interest in seeing these schools stay open. Yeah, it's a uh, it's an organized crime and literally organized child trafficking ring that are making a shit ton of money. You know, if you think about it, their student population has been cut by over 60 percent and they're still open. Uh, you know, they just had a horse sale the other day, cash only. They're making a lot of money, uh, not off the students, just uh, just a whole bunch of corruption. But it's organized crime it's just, involving public officials, a lot of these people. I mean, it's not just the school owners who are, I assume are private owners, but there's public officials involved in this as well. Yeah. Governor Parsons, good friends with the staff at Agape. He invited them to his office uh, about five years ago. Uh, a couple of congressmen and congresswomen have invited Agape staff to their office, state representatives as well. Agape was invited to sing the national anthem at the state capitol. Well, I, yeah. I suspect we're going to see that this is maybe not just Missouri. I suspect we're going to see that this is perhaps many other states. Uh, these stories always seem, seem so small, and it's not so small, but they seem to start regionally, but then they do, you know, if it works in one state, they might duplicate it in other states and uh, or countries for that matter. I'd like to change the, the the name of this industry, though, from the troubled teen industry to the teen industry. Yeah, because they're just stealing teenagers because mm. every like, every teenager is troubled. There's, yeah, every, and, and, you know, as we, we established, Mr. Buckling here did not hold up five banks. But but this so this is because, you know, the, the all the notion, you know, it's sort of like you know, my experience here with the family courts, like, if you don't like it, you're, you're one of the mad dads or you're a disgruntled parent and not just like, Hey, where's my kid? And you took all my money. What the hell? Mm -hmm. uh, which is very normal. That's not abnormal behavior. That's normal behavior to have and all your money taken and your kids taken from you. Uh, if you don't, you're something's, if you don't have that reaction, something's wrong with you. Right. Yeah. So they pathologize and criminalize normal human behaviors, whereas stealing people's kids and taking all people's money are recognized felonies. So they're the ones with the problem here. And in the yeah, troubled they, teen industry, you have teenagers 
some of whom may, you know, may have like people, human beings have problems and especially human beings in giant societal loops like this. Cause you know, what happens to people that come out of these situations and then go on to have families and end up in churches and, you know, start doing drugs to deal with this stuff. I mean, you know, these things just keep going to pathologize this and go, well, we had to take, you know, look folks, we just had to make these kids do free construction labor. It was for the public good. I mean, that's all well and good, but that just sounds like a mob scam Mm -hmm. to me. So let's just call it, there's nothing troubled about the teens except, you know, they may have problems like all human beings have problems, but this is just the stolen teenager industry. Mm -hmm. These are predators. These people prey upon desperate families, desperate parents, uh, single parents. You know, tell them, we're your last hope. So that's the way they advertise it. They advertise it as a, as a last resort for oh, yeah. a single mom or single dad who can't handle their kid anymore because whatever troubled circumstances they might be in. And then this is how they appeal to them to send them to this horror uh, show that one is of, the school. One of the very first questions on Agape's application is, was your kid adopted? They target adopted kids mm. more than... Uh, really? You know, adopted Wow. 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 Um, you know, and those That's... are kids that are more likely to be abandoned. And who pays the school? The parents pay the school or does this welfare system pay the school? I know parents pay the school. I don't know. If the but the first question they have is about adoptions. Mm-hmm. Preying on the most vulnerable people in society. It's just horrific. Um, thank you for doing this, Robert. I think, uh, you know, a lot of people must be thanking you for doing this. And there's uh, how many people are involved in this movement to try and, uh, and get these schools shut down. Too many. More every day. Good for you for having the, the, the resources and the courage to face that um, and to do such a, such a good job of bringing this to the public. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. And thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Good to have you on, Robert. We are going to make sure that we keep covering the story. And Eric, I know you're going to be doing the same on Game Theory today. And, and as much as possible, we're going to keep exposing uh, this and other schools if, if we find more information about this. There's certainly a lot more that you've got coming up. Well, I mean, we're going to hear from Robert again. I know that. And uh, because let's face it, um, after you're done blowing these guys up, this has been one year and you're at uh, federal charges. And, you know, this is a national story. When we're done with these guys, Robert, I'm going to launch you at global warming and cancer. And you're going to email it and text it out of existence (laughs) in 14 months. That is my bet. Well, that's a, that's a great way to end the show. And uh, Eric, I know certainly you played a big role in this and both of you have done a, a huge job in championing the story. And congratulations for doing that. And uh, we'll have you back on, Robert, and we'll keep following the story for our viewers on Narrative. Uh, but thank you at home for watching and we'll be back and we'll have part two of um, The Dragon's Tale, which includes Jared Kushner and Rupert Murdoch. We'll see you then. Every minute of Narrative's reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. Every minute of Narrative's reporting, every story that we break is made possible by our patrons. You too can become a patron by joining at patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative, where truth lives. One day you'll tell the story of autocrats, crooks, and kings who came for our freedom.
A story of citizens who stood up to tyranny and won. The people prevailed and renewed an old vow to a more perfect union. And that was just the beginning. The story continues. Narrative. Where truth lives.